the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you today. We've got a lot to talk about, and we also will have a couple of interviews, important interviews today that you will want to hear. In a few moments, I will congratulate my old friend Gregory Wrightstone, whose book, uh, Inconvenient Facts, Contrasting Inconvenient Truth, the Al Gore uh, missive, the Al Gore effort, the Al Gore campaign, and Greg writes, Gregory Wrightstone's book is a bestseller still this five years ago. Uh, it was uh, published, self-published, I should add. And it's now a favorite book of all kinds of smart people. And uh, it is interesting to watch people come around uh, to uh, the book and come around to listening to Gregory. Um, and it was uh, it was great. Five years ago, I have to say we were I was uh, one of the few people, one of the early people who jumped in with him and uh, Candace Owens. Yeah, Candace Owens is a fan of the book now. So he's selling a lot of copies of the book because she talks about it on her podcast. So we'll talk with him and we also will have a visit with our old friend. Ted Malik. He's got a piece on the next president. And of course, he's got a perspective. He's very close to the current. Uh, well, the Republican frontrunner, how to say that. That's right. He's not the nominee yet, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, all that and more. But what you need to know today, we could talk about the debate and how terrible Fetterman was. I talked about that last week, though. Uh, the realization that I had that Fetterman was brain addled, you know, damaged, and his family is still letting him run. It's just like Joe Biden had no business running. And really, at a certain point, you realize the Democrats don't care at all about people in positions of power. They just care about having positions of power. And that's all it is. And Fetterman was, it would have been funny if it wasn't so sad. His debate with Dr. Oz the other night, uh, really tragic. But here's the, you know, the, the red tsunami is up in full, full flow and everybody's panicking. They're out in Washington state trying to shore up uh, Democrat Senator Patty Murray. She's been in 30 years and they're spending money to try to protect her. So we could talk about that, but I don't want to. <clears throat> we could talk about uh, the, si the size of the red tsunami. I don't want to. Instead, what you need to know today is, and I've said this for a better part of a year, there is a civil war brewing in one of the two major political parties, and it's the Democrats. And if you look at the issues, and the most striking last night was um, <laughs> Fetterman said he's for fracking. He'd been totally against, he is, still is, he just was addled and saying anything to try to get by, but he's been against fracking over and over again. Now he says he's for fracking. And more importantly, if you're for fracking and you're a senator uh, and you're a lieutenant governor with a lot of influence, which he has, you haven't done anything to help uh, get your state on the right course, because obviously Joe Biden and the, and the federal government has been moving against fracking. But that's one, because the base of the, Repo of the Democrat Party hates fracking. They don't want fracking. So that's one. That's not even the best one. In the last 48 hours, the so-called progressive wing of the Democrat Party issued a letter saying, give peace a chance, try to force Ukraine and, and Russia to negotiate. And it was so poorly received that their own party berated them until they withdrew it. They retracted their letter and claimed, they're lying, that it was released by the staff without permission. They're just lying. 
But what a thing. You can't even be in the peace wing of the Democrat Party and get even Bernie Sanders was complaining. And yet there were 30 members there. And it included members of the squad. I don't think it had AOC, but she's been she's been shown to be a uh, a, a stooge for the establishment too. But but this some of the squad and some of the real liberals, Ro Canna, one of the real liberal guys, they, he now he wanted to stick with it, but the others just caved. So the, there's actually no. And at the time that the, the the statement came out, thirty members signed it, all Democrats, and and immediately there were a couple of Republicans, Tom Massey and Matt Gates and others, that said, "Hey, let's try to figure out a way to work together." Shouted down, forced to retract, and not not Gates and uh, Massey didn't, but the, the Democrats and by by their own party, by their own media, by their own uh, establishment, and they gave in. You don't think that across the country, there's not a lot of real liberal lefties who don't want war, who don't understand why we're spending tens of billions of dollars. Of course, there are. And they just got smacked down. They thought the people that they trusted were standing up and saying something smart. And they got smacked down. Here's another one over science. For a long time, the Democrats said we're for science. They now can see that their base doesn't want whatever the science that they were selling because it wasn't coherent. And so <laughs> Governor Whitmer of Michigan is being interviewed. She said, oh, I never, I never locked things down. I, I, I just did some things. I, I just did some things and I never locked it down, trying desperately to get away from it. And meanwhile, oh, New York State, the state Supreme Court strikes down and, and reinstates a bunch of people fired for being unvaccinated. But meanwhile, other parts of the state with liberal Democrats in charge are doubling down. On mask mandates, on requirements for vaccination, Joe Biden is saying people are going to die. And if they don't get their vax boosters, uh, they're going to die. Doesn't incoherent as usual. But my point is, that's another battle within the party on abortion. There are some Democrats, not many, but some that don't want abortion until the ninth month of pregnancy. They think that's crazy and cruel. And yet you can't have that position. The last of the pro-life Democrats were forced out at the federal level. And they're left uh, out of office. And here's the big one. Whole segments of the Democrat Party wanted to defund the defund the police. They still do. They talk about it energetically. They have a plan energetically. They're focused on it energetically. But the country is having a crime problem. And so a lot of people are saying, hey, wait a second. And the Democrat Party is roiling, R-O-I-L-I-N-G, roiling over this disagreement on whether you should defund the police. There are still many, not a few, many Democrats who say defund the police, do it. And they're actually making arguments on social media that there were 250 cops shot in 20, I guess it's 2021 so far, uh, 2022 so far. Well, in the same year, someone counted and said 850 uh, uh, um, people were killed by police. And they're comparing the two things. Look, not everyone. There could be a bad shoot. If there's a bad shoot, people should be held accountable. But most of the time, 99.9% of the time, they're good shoots. And don't lump together when they're shooting cops. There's never a good shooting cop scenario. And yet on social media, you'll see people saying, oh, yeah, in this environment, you know, you got to protect yourself even against the cops. Well, that's tearing the Republican, excuse me, the Democrat Party in, in pieces. And so the fun question to contemplate is as the red tsunami continues to build, how how is Joe Biden going to message on it? How is Joe Biden going to say somehow 
this was a victory because not only when he loses a lot of seats, loses the House and Senate, not only will that be a problem for him, for his agenda, he's got a messaging problem because his own party is split and they're not split down the middle. They're split in a multiple fragments that I just described to you. There's peaceniks over here. Oh, here's one more. Oh, here's another one. Sorry. This is another place the Democrat Party split. A whole bunch of people who used to be Democrats, who used to vote Democrat, are mad, mad, mad about the schools. They're called parents. And the parents are feeling not only disrespected, but ill-served. You know, even if they thought, well, the school boards are rough or Terry McAuliffe didn't mean to say it. They're looking up and they're saying, it's not a good system. The system hasn't delivered for my kids, for my neighbor's kids. And so they're battling over it. It's gotten so bad in terms of the polling that uh, Shapiro, the um, the attorney general of Pennsylvania who's running for governor, he's a Democrat. He's liberal on every issue. His number one supporter is the school teachers unions. He must have gotten permission from them to say he's for school choice because inside the polling, they must see that parents are just going crazy. They want control over their kids' lives. They want control over their kids' bodies. They want control over their kids' school, and they're not going to stop till they get it. And so Shapiro, the attorney general, liberal Democrat, teachers union guy, never wanted any school choice. He's suddenly for school choice because why? Because his election's 10 days away, two weeks away. My point is the, the, um, the civil war, the battle for the future of one of the two major political parties is going on in the Democrat Party. And the question will be what you need to know as you watch this is what happens on the other side. Usually when a party loses, they regroup. And does this party that will be smaller, at least nationally, the Democrat Party, does it say we got to go further to the left? Let's go get the energy on the left. Let's go get the Bernie bros. Let's get the peaceniks. Let's get the people that don't want war. Although, honestly, there's lots of people that don't want war. And, and insult to injury, there's uh, the, uh, the ratings are out. And I think it's true that Tucker Carlson has more Democrats watching his show than any of the CNN, NBC shows at the same time. I may be getting that a little wrong. It may be a demographic in there, like a number, an age range. But it is true that Tucker gets a bunch of folks watching him that are not traditionally with him on the issues. So uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right. That's what you need to know. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will have Gregory Wrightstone, fifth anniversary of his great book, Inconvenient Facts. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Our next guest is Gregory Wrightstone, well-known to our listeners. Um, But, Gregory, the interesting thing is uh, I want to ask you, I will ask you about this uh, this brief in a a, a, uh, amicus brief in an EPA uh, case that you were involved in uh, making an argument. But that's not how I thought. Where's Gregory Wrightstone? Why why haven't I talked to him? One of our our listeners uh, mentioned that your uh, book, Inconvenient Truths, uh, is uh, five years. It's been out five years, which is crazy to me because I remember uh, when it first published that we were, I think we had you on this show. But so first of all, welcome back. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, how are you, sir? Oh, really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yesterday was the uh, five-year anniversary of a publication. And, and would you believe it, it was a number one bestseller for most of the last two months on at least one category in Amazon. Number one after five years, which is unheard of. Um, and I'm I'm just authorizing the seventh printing. Uh, we've had a huge run on uh, book sales, uh, so we've got another uh, printing coming out. So it's been amazing the 
the run that we've had here. It's just it, it's a testimony to the clarity and understandability that the book in its inconvenient facts. Sorry, inconvenient the, facts. Yeah, I made I messed that up as I I was looking right. <laughs> I was that's looking right. at my, down at my notes and I thought I just I think I said it wrong. Uh, but let that's me right. pa- 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 pause and ask you. I know book selling. I know book sales a little bit. I've watched it with the late Phyllis Schlafly and all. Um, and I remember when your book first came out. You know, you were not a guy that was a, a you know you're a geologist by training. You're a scientist, um, and you came at this saying, I'm trying to explain this to people. I, I, I need you to look at the facts here. Let me explain this to you. So you wrote the book. And I remember being with you. You, you were traveling across the, the country, coming to events to speak to, you know, 100 people at a time. Remember uh, Antifa interrupted your talk in St. Louis at our Eagle Council. And, and you had an app that you were developing. And my point in saying all that is Gregory Wrightstone's goal was to get people looking at these facts and I have to say, it took about four years because it was a good book. People liked it. It was out there. But it wasn't like the last, like you said, the last year or so. What happened? What, why did it suddenly pop? Is it because we're in crisis? People said, hold on, let me figure this out. Is that how you, how would you attribute it? Because it certainly is, it's almost more popular. Well, it is more popular today by far than it was in the first year it was out. Well, I was a nobody. I mean, I'm not saying I'm somebody now, but I was, no one had ever heard of Gregory Wrightstone when I published this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a scientist, and it just the build. It just built and built and built. People, I tell you, Ed, I get people that say I read your book and I just loved it. I bought thirty more copies, and just I have people buying twenty, thirty copies to hand to their friends. They said these people, and I've been adopted by some some pretty big name people in the media. Candace Owens, uh, unbeknownst to me, read my book and on her podcast held the book up. And said, this book has changed everything I believe about climate change. And she said, every single one of my viewers needs to go buy this book. And she, she subsequently had me on her show um, just a few weeks ago, again, promoted it. Glenn Beck loves it. And, of course, Ed Martin, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, was an early, I was an early. I wasn't as big as any yeah. of those names, but I was early. You and I were talking about this uh, years ago. But uh, that's it. <laughs> Candace Owens is no Ed Martin. No, nah, well, she says she came late to the party. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Gregory Wrightstone is our guest. Uh, he is now. It's important to point out the executive director over at the CO2 Coalition. Go to CO2, the number two coalition.org, CO2 coalition.org, and you will see a lot of there there, a lot of uh, what Gregory's up to. Uh, one more question on the book. Um Gregory, when you wrote it, again, you wrote as a scientist, and, and I, I take you at your word, you know, you were not a big somebody then, but it, it had, in a certain way, that was effective because you weren't a target. You just wrote, well, you, weren't, you weren't even thinking, how do I make a political argument? You said, I'm just going to tell you what's here. Um, but in the last five years since the book launched, and again, we're talking about the book as Inconvenient Facts uh, is the name of the book, available everywhere you buy books. We had Greta Thunberg uh, become, you know, a jokingly born. She wasn't exactly born, but she was born as as a, as a as a figure, we had um, the Trump years of of sh- sort of energy independence for America and therefore prosperity and stability in the world. And then we turned and we're in this state where you've got uh, nations that thought they were going green, suddenly embracing nuclear. I'd argue that that's partly green, too. But, you know, everybody's sort of suddenly realizing, hold on a second, if you stop doing what worked, you end up with chaos in the world. It, am I overstating that? I mean, in some ways, you're a through line. You kept saying. Uh, look what the facts are, uh, and it's come back to you. Yeah, it is. And in fact, 
just this morning in the Washington Times, we have a, a lead editorial commentary written by a research associate, Vijay Jayaraj, who's based in southern India. And he's talking about the world trans, trans, the transformation going on now isn't to renewables. It's back to coal and oil, and it's in a big way. You see it in, in the uh, EU. China and India never moved away from coal and oil. They always embraced it, and they were, they were not going to make a change, and they're, they've doubled down. But now we see the European Union and the Western economies moving back to coal and oil because uh, they find out that these renewables just can't do it because for every megawatt, of renewable electricity that you build, you need to have one megawatt of of reliable, abundant energy. And that, that has to either be in the form of nuclear or coal or natural gas, which is in short supply there. And so what you're doing is doubling or tripling the costs for every megawatt. And we're seeing this in just tremendous uh, costs of $28 per MCF in Europe, where right now in Texas, it's going for less than a dollar. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, the, that's the stark transition we see here. And we see New England is, is their, their costs are four and five times for natural gas and electricity than the rest of the country. And that's because they can't get the natural gas that's, that's here in the eastern United States in spades. They can't get that to New England because of pipeline uh, moratoriums in New Jersey and New York, and they can't import liquefied natural gas uh, that's inexpensive from Texas and Louisiana because of the Jones Act. And the Jones Act says you can't move uh, merchandise or goods from one American port to another unless you use an American flagged vessel. Well, there are no American flagged LNG vessels, so they're forced to buy Saudi Arabian and Algerian mm. natural gas at exorbitant prices. Wow. Uh, our guest, again, as you can hear, is Gregory Wrightstone. Uh, he really knows the facts. His book is called Inconvenient Facts. But he knows uh, now, you know, I think, Gregory, you may have, may have been a geologist and a scientist, and that, but now, you under, now you're at least... I don't, maybe you can't understand it all, but you certainly are exposed to politics, and you have a sense of how politics well, and, and public relations is a factor in all this. It is, but at, at the CO2 Coalition and myself... We try and it's hard in this subject matter to stay out of the politics. Yeah. But we try and do that. We we're scientists and we we like to stick to the science. Yeah. And we'll let other people beat their chests and and yell into the microphone. Uh, we we want to pre- present the science, the facts and the data that dispute this notion of of catastrophic man-made warming. Well, and, and yeah, <laughs> let me and let me let me jump to this so we run out of time. Um, there's an amicus brief. So there was a case that uh, the EPA brought or it was brought against the EPA by the Concerned Household Electricity Consumers Council, CHECC, because the EPA had a 2009, we're talking 13 years ago now, uh, finding that CO2 and other greenhouse gases constitute a, quote, danger, end quote, to human health and welfare. And so Trump administration comes in. I think they started to reconsider this. Didn't happen in time. One of the great terrible things about no second term was some things that probably could have and would have uh, by a momentum have been re-examined re, re, uh, re, uh, and perhaps changed. I would hope so. Didn't happen. You filed a brief on this on behalf of the uh, the um, coalition. Um, tell us why. Tell us where it is. Tell us where it's only the D.C. Court of Appeals. So the Circuit Court of Appeals has still got some room. You expect this to go to the Supreme Court? 
Uh, it may eventually. We it was just it was an amicus brief that we just filed uh, six days ago, last Friday, uh-huh. and, and in it we argue in favor of of this. Uh, against the notion that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. And we go through the reasoning. Uh, we, we, we slay every one of the factors <laughs> that, right. that, with science and data that, that says, no, the EPA was wrong. And here is why. Uh, so we'll, we'll, it'll, I don't know what the end result will be, uh, but this, this, is, this may but just be the first volley in a long war, the first mm. battle. Um, our guest again, Gregory Wrightstone, executive director over at the uh, uh, CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org. You can find out more there. And of course, the book is called In- Inconvenient Facts. It's now a bestseller. I still, I still marvel at that. It's kind of now bouncing up. Uh, people are paying attention. And now that you're on this program, it'll be again above bumping again. But uh, Gregory, thank you as always. Thanks for all you're doing. Congratulations on the book. I hope you have to pr- uh, approve eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, printings and keep going. It's uh, important to keep getting the word out and keeping up the good fight. Thank you, Ed, very much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come back. I'll put all that up on social media, including a link to that brief. It's a, um, uh, you know, uh, um, listeners know we at the Phyllis Schlafly Legals, we do a lot of amicus briefs. It's very important when you can get a voice to weigh in on these cases and say, hey, here's how we see this from the legal side, why there's an interest for us. Uh, it's uh, very helpful. So that's uh, I'll put that up there and also a link to uh, Gregory Wrightstone's book, uh, Inconvenient Facts. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend, Ted Malik. Ted Malik, of course, is a, a successful businessman, an author, uh, a bestseller, professor. He's done it all. He's done it all all over the world. And, of course, he writes frequently right now at American Greatness, the blog there. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt Malik, welcome back. Dr. Malik, how are you? Uh, very well, Ed. Thanks. We were joking off the air, but it's only half funny. Um, you know, the top of your, your recent column uh, a few days ago was called a next president. But we joked off the air. Uh, we may you know, maybe there'll be a new prime minister every couple of months in, uh, in in England. But but all kidding aside, it can't be good. Right. It's not good to have so much instability in the governing party in England. Right. That's the word instability. And we are talking about a conservative party a party that belonged to Margaret Thatcher at one point in time, so you wouldn't wish that on anyone. Right. Uh, they've been three prime ministers in six months, four chancellors of the exchequer, that's Ministry of the Finance, in the same period of time. Um, it, it's quite embarrassing. Now, they do have a radically different system than ours. It's not a republic. It's not a presidential system. So with this parliamentary system, this is what you often get. It's And in Europe, you get these uh, short-lived governments of coalition. You know, we should be thankful that our founders were so profound in their thinking and moved away from the, any of those European elements. Yeah, and, that, and that's because I, I know we've talked before that you have over the years in your decades in business and, and teaching, you know many of these leaders. Georgia Maloney, you mentioned the Italian prime minister. Sure. Historic that she was put there, that she, was, that she won the election, got herself in place. But I wondered, in the world of such 
scrutiny and such frenzy of social media and media where the attention that the business model requires crises and and drama and all and in america you can you can a president can be destroyed in office joe biden has been and he's no longer relevant but he's not removed he he just sort of muddles along in georgia maloney uh, you know before she got into the prime minister's suite she had one of her ruling coalition mouth and off in a way that she had to react to and all i mean are we you look to europe ted our where i guess is ted malik um are we going to see even more sort of rapid changeover uh, I, I think that's likely in the european context um we are somewhat immune to that in the u.s yeah, right right uh, as you mentioned i mean we could still have an impeachment or we could have a president uh, wilson situation where he's dead the last year of his presidency <laughs> his wife is in fact president so yeah. i'm voting for dr jill <laughs> uh, we're talking with Ted Malgari. The column that you wrote is called A Next President. And um, you talk about things that need to happen uh, in a presidency. The, the opening line is who will wear number 47. Uh, and I, th- I think the guy that wore 45 says he's going to wear them both. But um, and then you go through this uh, this description of of uh, <laughs> Biden and Kamala Harris and how they have no chance. Having having said that, though, do you think Biden will not do you think he will not run or do you think they'll run him anyway well they i surely hope they run him and then we can uh, you know defeat him soundly with 85 million votes but um i i at this point in time don't see how it's possible that he runs again both on a policy uh, you know platform and as a senile human being who should be hospitalized well, and, and, you know, I did say I said earlier in the program on my opening that it's, uh, J- John Fetterman has made it impossible for Joe Biden to run, perhaps because it was so comical and so pathetic and so sad yeah. that yes. uh, to watch Fetterman stumble, that people felt bad for him and then thought, who the hell is around this man that is doing this to him? Like he does not. They don't need. And, and it's even worse with Biden, who should be able to be in his, you know, in his dotage at this point. Uh, but what happens next? I think one of the uh, overlooked pieces is in uh, parts of your piece was you mentioned uh, Beto O'Rourke, Stacey Abrams, AOC. But those ones are gone. I mean, yeah, uh, Be- so Beto's yeah. going to lose by 10. Stacey Abrams is going to lose by eight. Uh, AOC's getting uh, uh, yelled at in her own town halls. So who's really the it looks to me like the, the next uh, one is Gavin, right? Well, yeah, and he's pretty shallow. So they have a, uh, as we say in business, a very weak bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nobody really there that is, you know, very charismatic, very take control, who, you know, people would get excited about. There's no John F. Kennedy figure. So, I mean, that that's the state of their play. We, on the other hand, have a very deep bench. Uh, you know, there are eight or ten people who could be president, I think. Some are better than others. Some need a little more executive experience like Senator Cotton. But, I mean, the, we, we have a good bench. And then we have one character who is not running presently, I think, mm-hmm. and is not contesting against President Trump and is probably not going to be his vice president either, I would argue. Right. But gives us a fabulous insurance policy. Uh, if you had to place a small wager, $10 wager right now, we're talking oh. with Ted Malik. Ted Malik. Now, just so I did a- bet the other day that the Phillies would win the World Series. Ed, so. Oh, yeah, he did. All right. Well, uh, so are you what, what would you say the chances that Donald Trump will run for president? Uh, will run for president. Uh, 98.6. Yeah. I mean, I think that. And now what does he announce before Thanksgiving? 
Uh, yeah, that's the time period that my friends tell me he's going to announce just after the midterms, um, get it going all before the end of the year. He's got the staff in place. You know, we know who the pollster is. You know, we know a number of these people. Um, you know, he's already got money in the bank. He's doing rallies. Um, and if he takes my advice, he'll go on the stage with all of his new senators and get rid of Mitch McConnell. It's uh, we're talking with Ted Malik and in uh, this piece, uh, which is up at over American greatness. I'll put it up on social media. Uh, the title is a new a next president. Um, what do you think about the the chorus? And I don't know if it's loud, but I do hear it enough. A chorus of people that says, I want uh, Trump policies without the drama. And therefore, I, I and, and, you know, it's a little bit it's in, in 15. And you'll remember it well. When Donald Trump was running, people said, oh, he's not really going to do it. He's not serious. He's not like, you know, he was he's not conservative enough. He's this, he's that. And there's sort of a way to say, oh, he's not real. Now, the way to say it's not real is to say, oh, Oh, I, I just don't I don't want all the drama. No, yeah, I mean, you do hear it, and particularly from rhinos and people, you know, in the New Republic or wherever. And uh, what are you going to give Trump a lobotomy? I mean, he, Trump is Trump. So, I mean, Corey Lewandowski was wrong about some things, was right about one. You have to let Trump be Trump. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, I don't think anyone understands quite um, the intensity of the of the Klieg lights, meaning there's a lot of guys that are playing at very high level, uh, you know, and, and you mentioned a bunch of them. But then you go run for president. It's a different it's a different uh, scrutiny. It's a different intensity. It's a different uh, dynamic. I I, I remember um, uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly said in 15 uh, before Trump got in, let's keep an eye on um, uh, um, let's keep an eye on uh, the uh, former Wisconsin governor. What's his name? His name? Walker. Scott Walker. Yeah, Scott Walker, because Walker had been through the ringer yeah. and, and was a tested candidate. Well, he didn't take off. He didn't take he off didn't, at all. He didn't. He didn't win. But a lot, even a lot of my friends were for him at the very, very, very early stage. Yeah. I, I remind you, I came out for Trump in 2015 in Forbes magazine. So my, one, my next article actually is oh, good. Called, is called Betraying Trump. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, well, I have, <laughs> he has called me up twice on, on, uh, on True Social, so he's reading this stuff. The, uh, we're talking with Ted Malik. Um, I think that's an excellent uh, piece because there's a whole bunch of people that are suddenly now uh, braying about uh, wanting something different when uh, their careers were at least enha- enhanced, if not made, uh, by the uh, success of Donald Trump as president. All right, uh, Ted, do you think that there's a primary with uh, DeSantis gets in no. against Trump? I said definitively not. They are very amicable, respectful of each other. Um, as I say, it's, if something happens, ill health or God knows three more hoaxes, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) who will win over dumb Charlie Chris, who was a Republican at one point in time, he will win by about 11 or 12 points. So he's going to have an enormous electoral, um, victory behind him as well. Mm. All right. Uh, Ted Malik, as always, thank you for this. We'll put it up on social media and I will send people over. Uh, so, oh, so next, next, I was going to ask you the next column. That's always a fun part of this. Yeah. I guess you already yeah. revealed it. You already revealed it's going to be. Yeah, I'm working on two articles that uh, betraying Trump is a very important one because there's been, uh, everybody knows this, so much betrayal of a political icon, I think. Right. Uh, the other article I'm writing is a bit more radical and has a technological twist. It's called, we need to treat government as a service and get rid of 
half of all government workers. Ah, okay. Well, that's good. That'll make the left crazy, even crazier. I'll look forward to both of them. All right, Ted Malik, thanks, Ted. Appreciate it very much. We will take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's um, Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Don't forget, I will put all that up on uh, social media. Be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Theodore Roosevelt is known for many things. He's known for being the 26th president of the United States, for founding the national park system, for sporting an impressive mustache, and for offering the famous foreign policy advice to speak softly and carry a big stick. Teddy Roosevelt is among the most unique men to ever hold the office of the presidency, and his rugged spirit has molded a legacy that office holders should aspire to today. In honor of his birthday, I'd like to read a quote from one of Teddy's most memorable speeches. It not only provides a clear picture of his philosophy as a leader, but also of the manner in which he lived his public and private life. Listen to Roosevelt's immortal words. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Teddy Roosevelt's words still echo generations later as our nation seeks men and women who will be in the arena who would see their faces marred by dust and sweat and blood for a worthy cause. That's what bold grassroots action is all about. Whether your arena is on the campaign trail or in the local school board, never be afraid to try and to fail. With our nation's future in the balance, we have no time for cold and timid souls. Please make the decision to step into the arena today. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish up with a little Hillary Clinton. A little Hillary Clinton. Let me explain to you the video, lengthy video, that Hillary Clinton recorded a couple days ago. And she posted over on her website and social media in which she goes to some great length. You know, It's a long talk. It's not a 25-second soundbite. It's a couple of minutes where she talks. Hillary Clinton, what's called two-camera, which is you look into the camera. It's called two camera. So you're not talking to an interviewer or looking off uh, away from the camera. You're looking right into the camera. It's called two camera. And she gives this plea and she goes at great length to say 
that uh, the extremists in America uh, that oppose her, the Republicans, uh, have a plan. And the plan is in 2024 to steal the election. And they're really going about it. And she mentions the Supreme Court and its majority and, and that they're going to play a role or something. I don't know. It was a, it was a little bit weird because it didn't quite fit, uh, but it did. And here's what it fit. Three things. One, when you run for president, you come close to winning. You never get over it. And Hillary Clinton is never going to get over it. And ne- neither did John Kerry. Neither did. Uh, it's one of the reasons Richard Nixon ran again after he lost to Kennedy because he wanted it. It's a reason a lot of people try to run again. Mitt Romney's never gotten over it. I imagine John Edwards hasn't gotten over it. But you know, they, these guys, if, you think, if you're the nominee of a major party, you never get over it. You never get over. McCain never got over losing. And um, so she just wants to be included. And she wants to be considered in 2024. And she hates Biden. She hates the fact that Biden got elected. She looks down on a guy like him. She thinks she's better than him, more educated, slicker, all that stuff. So she wants to be a 20. It is a cry for help. She wants to be in the mix. Okay, that's number one. Number two is she is uh, trying to uh, push past the, the, the 2022 election, which is really bad for the Democrats. She's trying to sort of excuse away and look past it because she doesn't even say much about it. And that's strange enough is what my point would be on that when I'm looking at my notes here. Um, but number three, what she's really doing is the projection racket. And I've told you, I've taught you about the projection racket. The projection racket is when the Democrats uh, accuse the others of doing something that they, in fact, are doing. In this case, her accusation, even though she talked about 2024, it will work for 2022 and it will have the double effect Hillary's accusation of doing of th- of this one it will make people if, if when the democrats lose they hurt their base will say it was stolen from us and number 2 it gets people looking for republicans cheating and blaming them because why because hillary's going to cheat if you don't think that the democrats especially in the hillary clinton wing don't fortify the election and if they want to stand up and say they do only everything that gets close to the line they never go over the line okay i think i'll let them say it But that's what she's doing. Her projection racket is that look over here. Don't focus on what's I'm I'm going to tell you. They're going to do it. Well, she's going to do it. That's exactly what she's up to. By 2024, when the Democrats will have been out of power in the House and Senate, they'll still have the presidency. They will make all kinds of excuses and they will go out and they will steal the election. And they will stop whoever is running for the, the Republicans. That's my prediction. But you know, more than anything, to me, when I saw that the Hillary Clinton thing, I thought, wow, um, you know, the poor Democrat Party again. Oh, again, civil war. I mentioned at the beginning of the program what you need to know. It's a civil war when you can't get another person to be the leader other than Hillary Clinton. I mean, I guess she's earned it because she's been around forever. But the fact is, it just doesn't impress anybody. You're not drawing any new people. You're driving people away. It's kind of like yesterday's news and they're still hitting it. It's yesterday's news, and they're still putting her out there. Now, I don't think the party did it. I think it's Hillary doing it herself. But I can bet you, I mean, I'm I, as sure as anything, she's expecting and hoping that Joe Biden doesn't run. And then she will say, you know what? I can do it. I got robbed. And she'll be back to this. I got robbed. She'll go back to it. They're shameless. They, just because for the last two years they've said, if you bring up any kind of questions about the election, you're an election denier, doesn't mean they're not going to do it. She will go right back to it. She'll say, I have to, I should run. It's my turn. I'm a woman. I could be the first woman president and they stole it from me. That's what she will say. She will say it with a smile on her face as sure as can, as sure as shooting. You can count on it.
So Hillary Clinton back. Hillary Clinton back. She never really went away, but now she's back uh, in, in uh, with force. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. All right. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, for so many good things that he does to keep us on track. Thank you also to our superb Joanna Spilger, the associate producer. Thank you for listening. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email. And uh, don't forget, uh, you can go on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin and follow me there. Uh, Facebook, Ed Martin Live, and over on any other social media, it's at Ed Martin. I will talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.